Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are listening to the One Good Scare podcast with Natalie Zamora and Max Mallow. Hey everyone, welcome back. It's another new episode of the One Good Scare podcast. I'm Natalie Zamora and I'm here of course with my co-host Max Mallow and today we have another review episode for everyone. Hey everyone, yeah excited to be back. Another episode. Hope you guys enjoyed our last episode and today we were thinking about what we wanted to do last week. We were like what do you like christmas movies maybe it's too early to do that although like i think the rule is after thanksgiving dinner is over you can put up your christmas lights in your tree um, yeah or your menorah whatever holiday you're celebrating and natalie uh we talked about this uh i think two episodes ago that there was a new stephen king show coming to cbs all access and that is the stand obviously we did a a bit of a retrospective on Stephen King's career and all the movies we love, but uh, this is a new TV show. It's a, a series following something that's, I guess, on topic for 2020. Yeah. But yeah, the show is called The Stand. Um, it was Natalie's idea to review the pilot for this episode, uh, which is now available on CBS All Access if you guys want to watch it. Um, so yeah, we'll give us uh, we'll give you guys our thoughts on the episode, what we thought of it, and what we uh, want to see from the show moving forward. But of course, before we get into our review of the pilot, we have to do our weekly horror news roundup. And Natalie, the first thing on this list, I want to take at least five minutes to talk about. It, so yeah, yeah, I had to include this. I feel like every time we record a an episode like an hour later like big news hits and I'm like damn we could have included that but yeah so a True Blood reboot is coming to HBO um you know the show ended in 2014 so I'm really not sure why we need a full-on reboot about this but what are your initial thoughts so for everyone that doesn't know this is my favorite tv show of all time <laughs> This was, like, the first TV show I ever became super invested in, like, as a fan, which is, I guess, weird, but it's it's the one I love the most. I love, like, vampire lore and mythology and all that, and uh, I just fell in love with the show. And this show has so many ups and downs, it might as well be a roller coaster. There are seasons that are spectacular, like, top HBO television level, and then there's seasons that are just god-awful and you don't understand why this show got that many seasons a reboot man i don't know i don't think it's totally necessary unless it's going to like examine other parts of the the universe and like bonton and other stuff like that because the show ended the ending i man the ending still upsets me like it's it, yeah it, most hbo shows end in utter disappointment outside of like the leftovers and watchmen 
uh, for a lot of people. And of course, The Wire. I haven't seen The Wire, but you know, I'll give The Wire all the props it deserves for being one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Like, you got Alan Ball returning, who was the showrunner. He's going to executive produce it. But none of the original cast is attached to return. And the original cast is like what I fell in love with. Like, yeah. Yeah, I agree. There are amazing performances on the show. And I also, it's one of my favorite shows for sure. I love it. And I also read that Anna Paquin, she like tweeted when the news came out and said like she didn't hear about it. Um, And then also Charlene Harris, who wrote the book, said she didn't know about it either. So it's like, okay, you're not involving anyone. Well, not, not everyone, but like you're not involving the main cast and like the author doesn't know. Like it's, I don't know. It seems odd. It's a mess. Like, if Sookie Stackhouse doesn't know what's going on, and if the damn creator of the universe (laughs) doesn't know what's going on, it's probably not off to a good start. I mean, just like Anna Paquin, Stephen Moyer, who obviously are married now. And, like, I believe they got together while they were on set. Um, Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure. Which makes sense. You know, a total Kristen Stewart, Rob Pattinson parallel there. (laughs) But, um, you know, Sam Trammell, like Sam Merlot, like Jason Stackhouse, Ryan Quantin. Yeah. Tara Thornton, Lafayette, Andy Belfler. Like, I just love this show so much. Like, I could, we should do a whole, like, I don't know, retrospective on True Blood because I can talk so much about it. I love it so much. Yeah, we should. Just, Yeah. Just don't ruin it. Like, I remember I picked up the book because I was I was like, yo, I really want to read the books because I love the show so much. And I read the books and I was like, yo, the show is way better. I'm not even going to bother <laughs> the rest of this book. And that's no disrespect to, to Miss Harris, of course. But it's just like the show was so, so good for the first three uh, seasons. Save four, five was great. And six and seven were a total mess. But yeah yeah i think overall even though there were like a couple seasons that were like all right like that didn't go as well as it should have like overall it's still a great show and obviously you and i are very biased so we're gonna be very skeptical of a reboot but even if we had never seen the show right it ended in 2014 it is now 2020 why would you do a reboot like wait like longer I don't know, 20 years? I was going to say 10, but I was like, it probably could be coming out like in 2024 at this point. Um, yeah. But 20 years. <laughs> 20 years, yeah. Like, it also, it's not a property that everyone's just like, we want the True Blood remake. Like, where is it? Yeah. Let's get it. Like, I don't know. Seems like a weird dis- decision. Seems like, uh, who knows if this lives like on HBO Max as an exclusive series. Who knows, really? Yeah. I just... Just don't ruin it. If it's good, it's good. Like, that's great. I'll take more True Blood any day of the week. But I'd rather just rewatch the first three seasons because they're just so good. So Yeah. Yeah, True Blood reboot. But at least we get to talk about Alexander Skarsgård a bit more in the episode later on. <laughs> yep, definitely. Always always room to talk about him. Always an excuse. Agreed. Uh, the <laughs> next piece of news here, uh, the Richard Ramirez docuseries Night Stalker, Night Stalker, The Hunt for a Serial Killer is coming to Netflix next month. Uh, the trailer's out now. Natalie, you love serial killer documentaries, so, you know, give me your thoughts on, on Night Stalker. Are you excited for it? 
Yeah, it looks pretty good. And just because it's coming to Netflix and it's kind of like a really huge, like notorious serial killer, I think that it will be good, you know, similar to the docuseries they did with Ted Bundy. That was a big success. Um, I know that they do like smaller documentaries about true crime that aren't as successful, but I'm just, you know, thinking that the way that they're already marketing it and um, the fact that it's about Richard Ramirez, like I have faith in it. Um it's always weird to be like, I'm so excited for this because it's about like a terrible, awful serial killer, rapist person. So, you know, I won't try to be too excited for it, but I think the docuseries will be, uh, will be good. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and then the final piece of news, uh, Robert Eggers next film, the Northman has wrapped production, but we don't have an official release date yet for it. Still, uh, obviously Eggers did, the Witch, huge success. The Lighthouse, one of our joint favorite movies of all time, and The Northman, I you know the tr- I guess the trilogy we'll call it yeah. like the quote trilogy. Uh, you know, super excited for it. Can't wait. The cast is stellar. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy's in it, obviously, who's coming off uh, huge success with The Queen's Gambit, uh, amazing Netflix miniseries that I absolutely loved. It's also got Nicole Kidman in it. What can you say yeah. about Nicole Kidman? absolute legend uh willem dafoe the absolute legend (laughs) and also alexander skarsgård another legend it's like every single one in their own right they're all legends for different reasons yeah i thought we should bring this up because we have talked about how excited we are for the northman um robert eggers we love him but because raps production so that means you know no I think that they had to shut down briefly because of COVID, but they were able to finish. So hopefully we get a release date soon, a trailer soon, you know, like I'm hoping for a 2021 release if they're done with production now. Yeah. Uh, I guess keeping our fingers crossed for that one. <laughs> I mean, like in non-horror related news, obviously, I don't know if you saw Tom Cruise had a blow up on the set of yeah. Mission Impossible <laughs> because his crew wasn't following COVID protocols mm-hmm. and, you know, at the end of the day this is the world we're currently living in like movies the hollywood industry everything like that and if they're able to follow protocols and give us movies obviously that that makes us people lucky and we're excited follow protocols let's just get these movies out because i want next year all the movies slated to come out on hbo max that i'm so excited for give me dune give me the matrix 4 which i haven't seen a single thing about but it's got keanu (laughs) in it yeah as long as keanu's in it I'm seeing it. So, yeah, I'm glad that they had uh, that they were able to to wrap up production, and I can't wait to see a trailer for it because uh, one of our former coworkers, uh, Patrick, was so excited for this movie. And I remember yeah. talking to him about it, and he was like, "I cannot wait for this movie. This movie is going to be amazing." And I was like, "I haven't seen a single thing about this movie. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about." And then it <laughs> came out, and it was my favorite movie of uh, of 2019. So, as long as Robert Eggers continue to make movies and put together stellar casts i will either purchase the movie at home if that's what we're still doing when it comes out or yeah go to the theaters yeah that's what i was also gonna say like i'm sure it'll be in theaters and video on demand i mean depending how late in the year it comes out if it comes out next year but that's something i'd be like no questions asked like 20 bucks take my money now same same but yeah, that's our horror news roundup for the week. True Blood, Night Stalker, and The Northman. Mixed feelings on True Blood. Northman, can't wait. 
and Night Stalker, I'll do a bit more research on, but Natalie is our, our resident serial killer <laughs> documentary series fan. Uh, so now into The Stand. So obviously The Stand, uh, Stephen King, and this is, I guess, following in the wake of like the 2017 hype with Stephen King properties getting picked up by all these uh these companies you had it you had the pet cemetery uh remake which we hated you had i just had to throw that in there yeah always obviously we had castle rock before that which was building the you know stephen king universe in a tv show which uh, which was unfortunately canceled um and now we have the stand which i didn't know much about did you know much about the stand before watching the pilot so I didn't really know when they announced the show. I knew like a little bit about the story that it was, you know, about some type of pandemic. And then when I decided I was going to watch the show, I decided I was going to read the book. So this is, if not his longest book, it's one of them. The copy I have right now is almost 1,500 pages. So it, I, it has to be the longest. Um, so I'm 500 pages into it. And this is like weeks in. So uh, yeah, where I am in the show right now, it's 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 past where I am in the book, which is unfortunate. But yeah, I, I admittedly did not read the book and didn't start reading the book until I knew I was going to watch the show just to, you know, why not? Um, so all I really knew about it before starting the book was that it was about some type of pandemic thing. And it's where we are right now. Yeah, very on topic. Um... <laughs> I didn't know anything about it. You were like, we should watch this. And I was like, yeah. why not? Stephen King, how bad can it be? Can't be as bad as Pet Cemetery. Um, and looking at the cast list for yeah. the pilot, I was like, holy cow. Like, look, sure, I'll, I'll give it a try. Why not? I yeah. think the last CBS All Access show I watched, I watched two episodes of Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. And while I didn't finish it, those two episodes that I watched, the, uh, the or maybe it was three, the airplane, the camera... And the comedian, yeah, there's three episodes I watched. All very good. I was like, okay, this is a good start for CBS All Access. Yeah. Um, but I never followed up with it for whatever reason. And, yeah, this this cast list, just going down, just six names we can mention to try to pull you into the show. James Marsden, Odessa Young, Owen Teague, Skarsgård, Whoopi Goldberg, and J.K. Simmons. So right there, it's like, okay, you got a star-studded cast. Um for those who don't know Owen Teague, who is uh, Harold Lauder in the show, you beat him pretty early yeah. on. He played Patrick Hockstetter uh, in It, so already double dipping in the Stephen King universe. Yeah. And Odessa Young, I didn't really know, but she's pretty uh, established early on in the show as like our main female lead. Have you seen anything yeah. with Odessa Young before? No, I hadn't heard of her before. Um, she's Australian. But besides that, I, I don't think I've ever seen her in, any, in anything. But, yeah, she I would say in the pilot, at least, she's our main character. Yep. And then you have, uh, like I said, just a stellar, a stellar cast here for the first episode. Um, yeah. J.K. Simmons, who we'll talk about his character in the pilot. I just watched Whiplash for the first time. And yeah. God, that movie's fantastic. And he's just so amazing in it. Um, so I was super excited to see him pop up. James Marsden, obviously, people will know from things like X-Men. The The list goes on. Uh, the Notebook. The Notebook. Um, <laughs> I don't know why my mind always just goes there when I see him. Like, he's in so many other movies, and I just think of that. 
Yeah. Uh, what else? Sonic the Hedgehog, of course. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. You don't have to name a movie she's been in to know who Whoopi Goldberg is. And, again, for the third time in this, in this show, Alex Farsgard, uh as uh, this mysterious character you don't really get to know too much early on. Um, yeah. But feels very much at home in an Eric Northman-like role. So Yeah. Yeah, do you want to get into the episode? <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, going into this, you know, I had some expectations just from getting a jump start with the book. Um, and when we open up with the episode, we're in Boulder, Colorado, and it's already past the virus hitting and everyone dying. So they're opening it up with, like, okay, here's the survivors. Billions of people are dead. And now we're cleaning everything up and starting a society, which I thought was interesting just from reading some of the book, because that's not how the book goes at all. The book is very like chronological and it's just a linear like, all right, it opens up with here's how the virus got out and here's how it got to each person type of thing. Um, So this was like a nonlinear storytelling, which I didn't mind. Um, at least in the first episode, because, you know, it was just making things different. Um, but it was, it was a little odd because I'm not sure if I really cared about the characters that much until you get a lot of flashbacks, which is throughout the season. But with the first episode alone, it was kind of a lot of back and forth and I kind of wanted that linear storytelling at least for the beginning. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely felt it was a little jarring in the pilot. Um, Like you said, it opens up. They're at a church and there's just a bunch of decomposing bodies everywhere. People walking with gas masks and you don't know who these people are. You don't know if they're like military or mercenaries or survivors. I Mm -hmm. I guess they're all technically survivors, but you know, you don't really know who this group is and you know, they're kind of scavenging, kind of get like a Walking Dead vibe from it a little bit. Yeah. Um, without the, you know, ravaging zombies everywhere. And I didn't know anything about the stand to begin with. So I was. So you were like, there could be zombies. Yeah. I was like, okay, where's a zombie? I'm waiting for the zombie. Um, but no zombies, unfortunately. Uh, you get a little bit of world building there in terms of what's going on in, in the modern uh, time. But then you get a whole bunch of flashbacks for the episode. Um mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, it starts off talking about, like, just some of the dialogue I felt was a bit awkward, too. Like, uh, yeah. when you're meeting these characters in, in the, the current time, um, they're, like, raiding, uh, I guess, someone's house or something like that, or, uh, or like, a store. And it's, like, talk- yeah. some guy's talking about, like, building a movie theater now that, the, like, they want to put a projector up. And I was like, oh, that's cool. He's going to make a drive-in. And then he's like... Have you ever seen Risky Business? And there's just like a picture of Tom Cruise on the mirror frame. And the main character's like, no, nah, I've never seen Risky Business. And I was like, okay, I can like, I can see that. Like, why would you see, like, just a yeah. weird, like, conversation breaker. Of, like, that's the movie you want to talk about. And then the reason why he says you should watch Risky Business is because they have sex on a train. And I was like, really? <laughs> that's the reason why you want to watch Risky Business? <laughs> okay. I, whatever. That's, that's the world they're telling in post-apocalyptic, uh, boulder colorado right yeah i thought a lot of the dialogue at least in the first episode was super awkward and i know i mentioned this to you before we started the episode but i feel like 
starting it with the survivors and starting it after the virus broke out is kind of like making it lighter because it's like, all right, we already know who survives. These are the characters we care about. Like, we're probably not going to, like, we, they could die, but, like, we're not going to lose them to the virus type thing. And I feel like it had, like, a lighthearted tone. Like, the vibe was very odd. I think there was awkward dialogue, and it just seemed like everyone was just carrying on, like, nothing happened. And I don't... I don't know. It, it was just like, okay, didn't billions of people just die? Didn't like your whole family just die? And they were kind of just acting like everything was okay. Yeah, you don't get like a they're in peril type of situation. It's not a zombie apocalypse type of thing. <laughs> and it's not like the entire like world is in disarray now. It's just like, oh, hey, this is what we got to do. We got to go in, you know, find some stuff and go back to society. And there's no overlooming threat of like, zombies i guess i don't know i don't know why i'm comparing it so much to the one <laughs> like i guess that's like a an ample comparison because it's you know i guess the biggest apocalyptic show on cable network uh since i guess we were in high school right yeah um but yeah so you get all that then you get a flashback and that's where we finally start to learn more about the universe um and yeah I don't know. We can talk about the flashbacks. The flashbacks, again, were confusing for me. Yeah, I feel like I knew what was going on only because I had read that part of the book because it was early on. So I was kind of like, okay. And the flashbacks were pretty, you know, scene for scene the same as the book, but they just came later on. Um, and so I kind of almost just, like I said, I want like that linear storytelling just to introduce the characters because... It's like we already we know they survive, so I don't really care too much. You know what I mean? Like I don't care that much about their flashback because I know they get through it. Like it's not like I'm on the edge of my seat. Like okay, they might not survive the um, the virus or whatever. It's kind of like all right, we know that they are safe now. So why does this really matter at this moment? Yeah, agreed. Like the way it opens up is you uh, you get. Uh a scene in Maine uh, with this character you meet whose name is Harold, and he seems to be our, our main male protagonist, uh, yeah. so you would assume. And, of course, it takes place in Maine, of course. Yeah, um, Stephen King has to. Yeah, so he's riding around a neighborhood. He's kind of like Peeping Tom uh, yeah. in uh, on some neighbor. Uh, you don't really know who the neighbor is, um, but she's talking to her dad. Her dad seems sick. You don't really know what's going on there. Um, and then he ends up getting chased off by some bullies on a bike. And I was like, okay, this is like peak Stephen King. Um, <laughs> and just some of the dialogue here again was a little awkward. It was just like, the guy's like, oh, he's like the T-1000. And I was like, oh, I got, like, I felt like Captain America in the Avengers. I was like, I understood that reference. <laughs> um, but then like they, he falls off his bike and he gets scratched up and the bullies are like, if I ever see you around here again, blah, 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 blah. You're going to die a virgin and all that stuff. I was like. Oh, cool. Like, all right, I guess I don't really understand why we need this in terms of his character building because bullying is bullying. Like, is it going to greatly affect the character? I don't know. Some of that dialogue didn't work for me. Yeah, and I think to that point, like, some scenes in the flashbacks were really fleshed out and some were really quick, and I was kind of confused as to, like, why those certain ones were chosen to be so fleshed out when it 
seemingly doesn't matter. Maybe it'll come back later on in the show. But I did feel like the pacing of the entire episode was was off a bit. Um, we'll continue this conversation in one second, but we'll be right back for an ad. Okay, so yeah, the pacing is awkward with the flashbacks. And then thankfully they do give you the little time card. Like they'll say this um, the city with five months late, five months earlier, four weeks earlier, whatever it is. So that's helpful to know with the flashbacks because there are so many of them. Um, so yeah, our initial flashback is with Harold and then he, uh, starts this new friendship ish with Franny after everyone starts dying, um, from the virus, her dad is sick. So we get to see she has to bury him, which was a really, you know, unfortunate thing. Um, and her sister was friends with Harold's sister, but they were never friends. But since they're the only two people left in this town, they're kind of like, okay, let's get out of here type thing. Like kind of like, all right, where do we go from here? So that kind of sets up their whole journey. Um, it kind of felt rushed to me, their, their flashbacks, like it kind of just like cut to like, okay, now she's burying her dad. Like I kind of wanted to see the town start to get infected and you know, the progression there. But I feel like there were multiple flashbacks with the two of them. And one was before the virus got serious. And then one was after, and it wasn't really like what happened in between. Right. And you, so you, this is the main is like one flashback we're getting. And then we'll talk about Texas, which is another big part of the yeah. episode as well. But the thing that didn't work with me for the whole main thing is that like you quickly get Harold being bullied and tormented. And then he goes home and his home life is uncomfortable too. Cause he apparently keeps getting like letters of rejection from some school or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, and his mom is like, not nice at all. Yeah. His, his mom's sick. Uh, she's not nice. His sister's also not nice. She's also sick. Just yeah. two sick women in his family who were not uh, not nice to him, apparently. And yeah. like it was uh, his sister's bridal shower, and he didn't show up or something like that. And I don't know. You get a shot of his room. He's got an eraser head poster in his room. I was like, yeah. that's cool, I guess. But, like, you know, they're trying to quickly build that this character is tormented. But, yeah. like, is he, like also not okay in the head i wasn't like sure what to believe there with him because immediately after that you know we're, we're kind of all clumping all of maine together into one thing without having to jump back and forth because it does so much in the episode itself um, yeah you know you flash forward in maine and then just everybody's dead except for these two and i was like holy cow okay well now i believe that this virus or whatever is super serious yeah. But also, like, holy crap, everyone's dead, and now it's just these two people. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, like you said, like, a, he, it looks like he's got a huge crush on her. Like, he's yeah. been in love with her forever. Um, Definitely. He, he mentioned some, like, childhood moment with uh, the nail on the wall, which is symbolized with the rejection letters. Yeah. They had, like, a cute moment for a second. Yeah. For, I guess, in his mind. In, in her mind, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't anything. Um, and... He saves her life because she was trying to commit suicide. Uh, yeah, and I felt like that was so rushed, too. Like, I mean, it's not like I want to prolong an attempted suicide scene or anything like that, but it was kind of just like, 
okay, he saved her, and it's like, all right, let's get out of here type of thing. Like, I I forgot that that happened because it was such, like, a, oh, swept under the rug, like, that happened. Like, why was that part even in there? Right. I agree. It was just like, and, and the only reason why she is alive is because he breaks and enters into her house. Yeah. And he's like, hey, I've got a plan. Let's do something. And then she's, like, not answering the door. And instead of being like, whoop, okay, I guess she's yeah. not home or sleeping or doing whatever, he's like, I'm going to enter. And she's you know, in a bathtub, just has a lot of pills in her system. Yeah, terrible. And you get a visual of her throwing up the pills and everything like that. And then, you know, he comforts her. He And you get the whole love story kind of building there on his side. And at the end of the scene, she puts her head on his shoulder. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe, like, he's not supposed to be, like, this tormented kid who's just bullied and he's the nerd and everyone hates him. Yeah, and he's gonna turn, and that's gonna be fuel to fire for him turning into a bad character. He's just a nice guy, and they leave. The whole main thing ends with his plan for going to Atlanta with the CDC, and that's how mm-hmm. he thinks because they're possibly immune to it. They haven't caught it, and he wants to help the government, uh, I guess, find a cure for the virus and and save humanity. Which is immediately why, like, in my head, I went to The Walking Dead because that's how The Walking Dead. <laughs> Is like, oh, we got to go to the CDC. We got to get there. That's how it says or anything like that. And obviously, spoiler alert in The Walking Dead for 10 years ago now. <laughs> the CDC is just a pipe dream. The CDC never works. And the CDC blows up, which is crazy. But yeah, yeah that's Maine in a nutshell. Maine didn't work for me in the pilot. I was very confused what was going on in here. I didn't like it that much at all. Um, yeah. But now we go to yeah. Texas. Because Texas is the most important part, I think, of the pilot. And kind of building the world in which we're living in. in yeah. Band. So immediately we meet James Marsden. And I was like, yo, cool. It's James Marsden. Let's, <laughs> let's find out what he's up to in Texas. And what happens is he wakes up in a facility. He's very confused. And uh, he meets a doctor who he quickly befriends. And they you know, find out that James Marsden is immune to this disease. And the government and the doctor is now going to try to figure out why it is he is immune and try to replicate it for a potential vaccine yada 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 but you get even more exposition thrown at you here with marsden's story so he plays Stu redmond and if you want to try to dissect everything that goes on with his storyline in this brief like hour-long pilot go for it yeah so they have the flashback of him i know and i remember this is a really big scene in the book too so i remember it well um i'm not sure if it's it's not really fleshed out in the show but so what happens is he was at a gas station with you know his friends and out of nowhere this car is like speeding and this is before anyone knew or this is before any of the town knew of the disease going around um it was before people were really getting sick but there's a car speeding and it's going it crashes into the gas station and everyone's like what the hell so they run out and this guy that was driving the car is almost dead extremely sick has like the puffed out throat you know sinuses all over you can get the image um and he's really really sick so they don't know what's going on they don't know what happened to him it's this guy named Campion and basically Campion is who spreads the disease like he he is the carrier for the whole show but I don't think they really explain that well for the show right do you think that they made that clear no so not early on at least like okay because he's not like you said he's the the carrier and 
the spreader, but he's not right. patient zero also. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll explain that more because that's how the episode kind of ends. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was a bit confusing because basically the reason why James Marsden gets captured, well, not really, I don't want to say captured, but he's taken yeah. suddenly and he wakes up in this facility because Campion uh, crashes and it wasn't even really a crash. I guess maybe it's more visceral and described in the book, but it wasn't really a crash. Like they're just yeah. sitting on the front porch of this like uh, this convenience store playing cards, and the, they're like, "Hey, look, there's a car!" And the car's like <laughs> wobbling on the road, and they're like, "This guy's drunk out of his mind." And yeah. He just like he hits like a wall a little bit, and then just like comes to a stop. It wasn't like he just like he's driving towards a gas station. I was like, holy crap, he's gonna drive into yeah, a gas station. He's gonna blow up. And you're gonna get some like Grand Theft Auto like boom explosion. Don't hit the gas station. But not really. That doesn't happen. Uh, yeah. Marsden and, and his little group of friends, they rush to the car, they try to figure out what's going on. Like you said, he's sick. And the doctor relays this information to Marsden that Campion was carrying this disease, and all the people that he was with are now dead. Are dead, yeah. And Marsden's like, holy crap, why am I not dead? And they were like, that's what we need to figure out. Because mm-hmm. you're not dead. Um, so yeah, we get to learn a bit more. Uh, him and the doctor become better friends. Um, I thought the doctor was kind of funny. He had, he said he uses humor to cope with his anxiety. Yeah. Which, you know, I liked that line. I thought the doctor was um, a well-fleshed-out character. Um, but basically... What happens here, obviously, like like we said, there's more flashbacks to Maine. So you get Maine yeah. and Texas here intertwined, but since we're grouping them together. Yeah. Uh, what happens in Texas is the facility that they're current at becomes compromised and they need to move. They got to go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, you know, they get into a car and they're like, put this bag over your head. And the, the, the office or the army guy in the front seat's like, put the bag over your head. And he's like, why? Where are we going? Like, what's the big deal? He's like. Well, my idea, my, my deal is to keep you safe and also yeah. keep this location a secret. So either put the bag over your head or bad shit's going to happen. And Marson's like, okay, whatever, like, relax. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting because then they start, like, that guy too, like, they were, like, calling him doctor. And he's like, this isn't a doctor. Like, what are you guys even talking about? Like, you start to kind of see, like, okay, like, I don't think this new place they're going to is going to be all that nice. Yeah, and you start to question, like, whether or not uh, Stu is in good hands. Yeah. But, you know, basically they're all hanging out. Um, Some more time passes in the facility. He's got a nice place in this new facility. He's got one of those, like, smart house windows that, like, (laughs) replicates, like, daytime and sunshine, which is cool. Um, If you guys caught that reference to the the channel (laughs) original movie. Because that's what it immediately reminded me of. Um, But, yeah, shit hits the fan here in this facility. Um his doctor friend ends up getting infected and he dies and that really messes with Stu. But then the, the dick from before comes back and he's sick now too. And this is when you get like a real look, uh, an interaction with someone who's like fully sick on the verge of dying. He walks in, like he said, this virus seems to give them extremely puffy neck for whatever reason. And yeah, yeah. Uh, he guy comes in, shoots his doctor friend because his doctor friend's like, you know, I think I'm just going to end it all. I don't want to die to this disease. But mm-hmm. this this villain guy comes in. He's like, I'll take care of that for you. And shoots him right in the chest. Um, and then Marsden returns the favor, takes out the bad guy, and he starts roaming around this facility. And yeah. 
You're very confused at what's going on here. Like, you don't know if he's, like, trapped in some, like, high-tech, secret, underground, dark ops, you know, military, crazy stuff. But, but yeah, it, it's, it's like, high-tech. It's underground probably somewhere, but you don't really know what's going on. Yeah, it seems kind of just more of, like, a hospital, and he, it's, like, a huge hospital or something like that. Yeah, uh, so he stumbles upon a control room um, where the last standing person in this facility is, who just so happens to be a four-star general, uh, General Starkey. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he walks in and he's like, oh, hello, Mr. Redmond. Seems like you two, you and I, are the only two people left alive here in this facility. And I was like, oh, okay, what's going to happen here? <laughs> guess so. <laughs> I guess, like, Mexican showdown, like, or Mexican standoff, just like, one, two, three, quickest on the trigger wins. <laughs> no, that's not what happens. Um, you know, the him and the general start talking a bit more about what's going on in the world. The general's talking about, like, continuity of government and how, you know, that's how the world's operating right now. They all just, contingency plans and all this stuff like that. And this entire time I'm standing, I'm like, this guy sounds so familiar. Who is this yeah. actor? And my girlfriend's like, is that Greg Kinnear? And I was like, I don't think that's Greg Kinnear. And then I was like, holy crap, wait, no. That's J.K. Simmons with the beard. Yeah. And then, like, the fully realization i was like yo jk simmons is in the show this is awesome like i said because i just watched whiplash and i was like yeah let's go jk simmons but he's not around for for very long is he natalie no not at all and that's the thing in the book too we get a lot more about his character because he's kind of sitting there watching the virus you know spread to more people watching the world go to chaos and it's kind of like what do i do there's not much to do so, I mean, he could be coming back in flashbacks throughout the season, maybe. Maybe one or two flashbacks because, you know, we're not going in a linear way so far. But, yeah, I was sad to see. And then when I even looked up J.K. Simmons' stand, like, he doesn't have, like, a credit for it. So he might not show up again. Oh, that sucks. I <laughs> yeah. Wish, I wish he was in more of it. Um, but, yeah, I mean... You know, the whole, like, is this, like, a corrupt military experiment? Like, again, like, black ops, like, stuff you're not supposed to know about. Like, kind of, like, Area 51 type vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the case at all. The general's like, so you can get out of here by going this way and just <laughs> head up those stairs and you're free. You can go. Yeah. And I was like, wait, was he being held prisoner the entire time? I don't understand because he was pretty cooperative in what was going on with trying to figure out a vaccine. Um, and then, yeah. And then J.K. Simmons takes himself out, shoots himself in the chest with his gun, and and James Marsden is off and, and running now. And that's kind of how Texas wraps up, uh, because yeah. we jump ahead to the, the future once again, and we're kind of done with the flashbacks uh, for now, and we get a little more world-building uh, with Harold now as part of this uh, new survivor group living in Colorado in, like, an excavation site. Mm-hmm. And... After all of that, I was like, wow, it's a lot of exposition. And I wasn't ready to completely just, like, dump the show. Yeah. Just being like, okay, look, it's pilot. It's a pilot. I know it's got to get a lot out of the way quickly. It's got to draw you in. But, like, uh, I don't think the Watchmen pilot was that strong. And I didn't think the Mandalorian pilot was that strong either. And I was like, I'm still going to give these shows a watch. And those two shows are two of the best TV shows to come out in the past year, right? So I was like, all right. You know, that's not so bad. But the episode is not done there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so now I want to bring up the dreams. This is what I wrote down in my notes next, just because they do a, 
they sprinkle in the dreams kind of like they're a flashback, but then you can tell that they're dreams because they're in like a cornfield that doesn't make sense. Or like they're looking at like a wolf with like glowing red eyes. And it's kind of like, okay, this didn't happen in real life. This has to be dream. And then they wake up as a dream. So they're sprinkling these dreams. And then we find out, we'll find out later on in the series what they mean. But so in one of them, Franny, she dreams of Abigail, who um, is Whoopi Goldberg out in a cornfield. She seems like she's, you know, willing to help her, but we don't really know what the deal is. And then Stu, one of his dreams is more of a nightmare type, and he sees this wolf with glowing red eyes, and, you know, it's it's a troublesome dream. So that's kind of something that we're, we'll see throughout is these people having these dreams of, like, a good and evil, and the story of The Stand is very much good versus evil. So it's interesting that they're, you know, showing these dreams right from the start and it's kind of a sprinkle, a tease of, you know, what's to come. And I think, you know, it's very important for what's to come, but it doesn't seem that way so far. Yeah. The dream like Yeah, no, I agree. no, I was I was just gonna say, like, there's not like a it it doesn't seem like they're making it so like, all right, this is gonna come back later type thing. It's kind of just like, all right, like billions of people just died yeah they're having bad dreams like right like the dreams are sprinkled in in between all of this other exposition that you're getting and yeah it's just a lot the only one that's like a, like they're, they're all kind of creepy mm -hmm. uh and they give off like stephen king vibes so like fran's dream is pretty much like children of the corn she's walking around yeah. a cornfield and there's just this creepy kid running around giggling and she stumbles upon like a a, a baby doll and i'm like yeah i was like okay i'm interested I've been watching this for 30 minutes now. What is this all about? <laughs> and then Whoopi Goldberg arrives and she's like, hello, I'm Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but she says, I'm, <laughs> I'm Abigail Fremantle. I'm in Colorado. Can you please come visit me? I was like, okay. So wait, she's supposed to, uh, she's supposed to go to Colorado, but Harold wants to go to Atlanta and the CDC made up with Rick Grimes. And I'm just like, how does this work into everything like that? But obviously because the, present day is set in colorado maybe that has to do with something with it um right and yeah this was again confusing like marzen's dream with the i was like oh cool a cute little puppy dog which is not yeah. it's not it's like a, it's a wolf um <laughs> but it's all it's all very confusing because i believe does harold have a dream as well i believe he does right oh you know what i think harold had the dream Harold had a dream of, I think he saw a wolf, and then the man comes walking out who we can, you know, suspect is Randall Flagg. You don't see his face yet, but then he hands him the stone. Right, right. Like, I, what I wrote down in my notes is, Harold sees a pupper in his dream as well. No glowy <laughs> eyes this time. And then a spotlight hits on him. And I was like, that's interesting. Um, yeah. And then just a guy walks out from behind some rocks with a jelly bean. And he's like, here you go, take this jelly bean. <laughs> yeah it's funny that they show abigail in the episode earlier on than they do flag because flag is right at the end um you don't know his name you don't know who he is and then he's kind of throughout the episode shown like his feet or his legs and all you kind of know is that he has a magical stone um so you know, we'll learn more about him as the episode, or as the season goes on. Yeah, and I was just like, I'm assuming that's Alexander Skarsgård. Um, yeah. 
you know, you read the book, you know who Randall Flagg is, who Skarsgård plays in the show. And if you don't, like, it's in the IMDb, like, yeah. cast yeah. list. Um, so, yeah. Um, the end of the episode um, kind of puts together what's kind of going on in the world um, mm-hmm. in the current day. And you also get a, another flashback as to what really happened with the virus. Um, but yeah. before we dive into that, we'll take our final break of the episode and we'll give a, our final thoughts after this. Alrighty, so we're back. Um, yeah, so you get more present day after that. Harold, uh, with his typewriter now, um, yeah. is writing about whatever he's writing about, whatever's going on in his brain. And now you finally get some understanding of he's not probably okay in the head. Yeah. And he's an evil guy. Um, and this dream with the jelly bean might be something <laughs> for the future. Um, but the way that the episode kind of concludes is that with him is that he's alone now. Uh, Fran and Stu are together and Fran yeah. is pregnant. So, yeah. you know, what are the odds of that? I guess. <laughs> unlucky. Yeah. Unlucky. Your girl gets stolen by James Marsden. Too bad. Yeah, it was funny because, um, like I said, I'm 500 pages into the book, and I still am not at the part where um, where Fran and Stu are together. So I was like, what the hell? Um, that really came at you quick. So I was shocked. I can only imagine how Harold is feeling. Yeah, and this didn't work for me, again, because it's just so much world-building. Yeah. In the pilot, which like again, I will give the show the episodes to explain what kind of got what kind of went on to get us to this point, but because they're throwing so much at you in the beginning of the show, it's just a lot to digest and take in and kind of build a timeline in your head of what's going on and where we're at and what are the important plot points we all need to know about. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of how present day Colorado wraps up, but the way the episode truly ends is we get flashed to a another facility some military facility military yeah something that's going on uh and we have um a private a soldier i'm assuming he's a private um uh, is you know in some facility working and this uh, code red alarm starts to go off and there's a worker that comes out and she's got snot running out of her nose yeah. and she doesn't look okay um so i was like oh crap maybe this is patient zero and then Things started to click in my head. I was like, oh, wait, no, that's Campion. Yeah. The guy we met in the beginning of the show. Um, and he immediately puts the, the building into lockdown and to kind of contain the virus. And he looks over to the door to his right, the way out of his room. And he realizes that the door is not closing. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and he looks down at his phone and he sees his wife and his daughter. Or daughter? Son? Yeah. Yeah, daughter. Um, and... He's like, crap, do I leave now to see my, my family again? Do I stay here and do the right thing and, and possibly not spread whatever snot virus is, is going on in a, in a room across from him? Yeah. But he has a change of heart. He's like, I got to go see my family. And I'm sure yeah. a lot of people make that decision. Like, they're not like, ah, crap, I'm staying here for the rest of my life. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to get out of here and see what I can do. Yeah. Um, and so he runs out, he leaves, and you notice that someone was holding the door open. Yeah. And I was like, yo, that's crazy. Like, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm buying into this now. I thoroughly enjoy Texas way more 
or not Texas, but like the army stew storyline. The story, yeah. In the yeah, I agree. When I saw someone holding the door for him, I was like, it has to be Randall Flagg. Like, oh my gosh. I was really like, I got goosebumps. No lie. Like that part was really crazy to me just because I was like, all right, now they are connecting like the military, but also like the good and evil forces had a say in it as well. Like I said, I'm not done with the book, so it's probably in the book, but I don't know it yet. Um, so I thought that it came together really well in the end. And I really liked the ending. Yeah. And he drives away, he gets to his family. He's like, we got to get out of here. We got to leave. Um, and as he's in the car with his family, he notices a hitchhiker on the side of the road and he drives by him. He's just got his thumb up and he's like, Hey, can I get a ride? And Campy doesn't think twice. He's like, absolutely not. And just keeps going. But then he looks in his rear view mirror and Alexander Skarsgård is just chilling in the back of his car and just teleported in there somehow like the twins from the matrix reloaded and is like hey what's up buddy <laughs> and i was like uh okay what's going on here and then that's it that's the pilot that's, that's, it. The way, that's the way the episode ends so a lot to digest a lot to digest yeah. and i know our kind of review of it was a little all over place but to be fair the episode that's is, how the show yeah, yeah the episode itself is all over the place um yeah there are a lot of just different elements that they introduced at once because it's like, okay, the characters and their story and their backstory in present day and their backstory you have to follow. And then the disease starting in the military or army facility, but like we don't get how that started until the end of the episode. And then there's a supernatural part to it, which is Randall Flagg and Abigail, and we don't know really a lot about them yet, but we know that they appear in people's dreams, and they're, you know, magical somehow. So it's a lot to digest when you're trying to get through character development of, like, trying to figure out, you know, who are these people, what are they really like, why are they the way that they are, plus a virus that just took out billions of people, plus these two supernatural figures. So a lot was shoved into one episode. Agreed. And we didn't really talk about the virus. All we mentioned is that just like there's a pandemic going on um, because that also just kind of explained to you really quickly what's going on uh, between the doctor and Stu when he's in the original facility after yeah. uh, meeting Campion when he crashes into the gas station. Um, the virus is described as some super flu. Um, you know, it's like super lethal it kills you instantly like you come in contact with it you're dead that's it there's no yeah. coming back from it and for whatever reason i don't know if you can explain this to me because you're reading the book the nickname is captain trips yeah that started was like a nickname throughout some of the cities but i'm not really sure why i think just because it was like traveling um but then they kind of toss that nickname and then they, you know, it's just like the sickness, like people die or people are immune to it. And where I am, at least now in the book, they don't know why people are immune to it. Yeah. And it's, it, it's, it's so strange to me the way that they tried to like, they, they told the story of what was going on with the virus in Texas, which like, isn't a, like, I don't disagree with this way of telling the story. Cause like, they were like, okay, here's what's going on with the government and the military and they understand what's going on. There's a crazy virus on the loose and you come in contact, contact with it, you die. And then you look at Harold's life and all he knows is that people are getting sick around him and the CDC is quarantining stuff off. And you know, you're like, Oh, Hey, I just kind of lived through this. I know what's going on right now. Um, uh -huh. 
but out of nowhere, people just drop like flies, and everybody is dead except uh, outside of Harold and Fran. And I agree, you don't really need to know why they're immune. Right off yeah. the bat, you just know that some people are immune. They don't get it. They don't die. But what was interesting was that when they're in the present day stuff uh, at that construction site, they're like dumping bodies and creating mass graves for all the infected that have died. And this one guy is like directing a truck. He's like, yep, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. And then he almost falls into the pit of the of the dead bodies that are there. And Harold saves his life. He's like, whoa, slow down there, bud. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you just saved my life. And he gives him this giant hug and it's, and Harold's like, Oh, I saved someone's life. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. It's like, yeah. it made me think like, maybe if you still like touch the virus, you die or. I don't, I don't yeah, I don't think so because most of these people, you know, like lived with people who died from it. So I think if you're immune, you're just immune. I don't know. That was weird though. Yeah. And I, I wish, I don't know, maybe it's because we're living in a pandemic right now. Like, there yeah. was no, like, oh, hey, we can try to slow this down by, like, wearing masks or doing stuff like this. <laughs> and, of course, people in the current day are wearing, like, gas masks and stuff, and they're taking precaution. But there's no stage of that in the flashbacks. It's like, hey, guys, there's a virus. We're going to see if we can do something about it. And then it's like, oh, crap, everyone died. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. It's, it's very yeah. quick, that whole, like, they have to, like, speed up the apocalypse. Yeah. To, to get to where we are right now, which maybe could have used more time, but also makes me think like maybe it's really not all that important how we got to there outside of like Campion and, and Stu and, and the government and how Harold and Fran got out of uh, out of Maine together. But I yeah. Know. Yeah, I think how I feel about this episode overall is kind of like I think that they if they were going to do it nonlinear, I think they should have develop the characters more in Colorado. So we kind of had an established like, okay, here are the survivors and here's what they're going to do. Kind of like lost. Like we established what's going on in the present and then we got all of their flashbacks and we're like, oh, like here's the reason why X, here's the reason why like Z. And for this, it was really rushed to the point where I just, like, didn't care too much about the past, even though they're really important parts. I know from the book and everything, like, character development, um, they're really important parts. But I just felt like having the flashbacks and a little bit of present time together didn't have didn't have a powerful effect. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. Um, I think Lost, like, wrote the book on how to tell stories like that. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, we both love Lost. Um, I'm more of recent fan of lost i watched it this year for the first time ever and the way lost is told is just stellar it's just fantastic mm-hmm. story building and world building um, yeah which is you know damon lindelof at his finest um and that's not to say that the stand doesn't do a good job at creating a world it's just that the world building is very rushed and it's very much like the the story is telling you like hey we gotta go we gotta go like here's what happened yeah. come on come on come on come on come on and you're like whoa wait 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 so is this, you're like, you're trying to figure out what's important and what to follow and, you know, what's important uh, in terms of Texas and what's important in terms of Maine and are these, yeah. how do these dreams work and who's Abigail and who's Alexander Skarsgård, who, Randall Flagg, you know, who, who are all these yeah. characters? Um, and the show's pretty much being like, hey, trust us, we'll explain it, just yeah. stick with us. And I'm not opposed to sticking with it because 
like I said, uh, you got to stick with shows to really find out what's going on. Did, like Watch, yeah. Watchmen's pilot is very, uh, very much like expositional, like trying to build a story in the universe. Oh. And as someone who's a fan of the movie and of the original story, I was like, I don't know what's really going on here. Like, this isn't yeah. really pulling me in immediately. But once you fully get into Watchmen, you're like, okay, I understand now why all of this was important in the beginning, why we had to do this, because where we're at now is amazing. So I hope the stand comes through in that sense, because I think it's a really interesting story that they could potentially tell here. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, no matter how the rest of the season goes, the story is so good that there's always going to be at least one element that's going to keep you wanting to watch. Um, and I think that there are really great performances. So I think in the first episode, Owen Teague, Harold, he is really, really good. Um, I saw him in this movie called I See You, and he played like a kind of off his rocker type character as well. Um, so I'm curious to see where his uh, character goes. And then, um, no spoilers, but in a couple of the other episodes, there are really strong performances as well. So I think this show from the first episode, it didn't really impress me, but it had a lot of potential. And um, I know you watched the second episode. I watched the second and third. It does get better. So maybe we'll have to come and do an episode for the finale and kind of talk about the whole show. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in watching it through the end. Um, I want to know more about Randall Flagg because I did a, I did a bit of a, like background uh, research on the stand as a whole, like not trying to spoil yeah. the entire story for me, but yeah. you know, it's, it's essentially like you said, like a battle of, of good and evil and these forces. And I'm like, I didn't really get that from the beginning of the, of the pilot. No. So like, I'll stick around, I'll give it a couple more tries um, and, and see what's up. Because like you said, there are good performances. Um, you know, the two, I guess suspected leads here will be mother Abigail and Randall flag on both sides okay. because Obviously, Randall Flagg seems to be this bad guy who caused the virus to get out. And <gasps> Whoopi, Goldberg, Whoopi Goldberg just comes to you in, in your dreams and is like, hey, would you mind coming by and just giving me a visit? And like, okay, cool, sure, why not? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think the one thing I hope is that, like, I wonder how much, like, story building they're going to do with the current characters that we already have. Because, like, when you compare it to Lost, we get multiple episodes with like Jack and we get multiple store uh, episodes with uh, Sawyer's backstory and all yeah. the important characters um, from the, from the survivors on the Island. Yeah. Right? Now, like, I wonder how much backstory we're going to get of Harold and Fran because they quickly go from like, you're just the creepy kid. I used to babysit to, Hey, we're together now. Let's go to Atlanta. Like not together, together, but you know, it's just yeah. it's just you and I. Um, yeah. And they go to Atlanta, and now they're in Colorado. Like, I wonder how much more we're gonna get of their story together, or if that's yeah. just like they went to Atlanta, it didn't work out. It didn't work. Yeah. Rick Grimes is there. The building blew up. <laughs> they moved on. Um, or if it's like, here's what happens. Here's why they f like have a falling out. Here's why she falls in love with with Stu, and she. Yeah gets pregnant and all that stuff so i don't know yeah and you know they have a lot to do nine episodes and a book that's over a thousand pages you know you saw the second episode i won't spoil it for people listening but they have a lot more characters to introduce going forward and a lot more backstory and the whole present so fingers crossed 
they can do it all. Yeah, I like how many? I think it's what a, a ten episode season. I think it is nine. Nine. Okay, so yeah, yeah uh, they have nine episodes to build this this story and, and see where it goes. I want. Is it going to be a full like series or is it just one? Is like a mini series? It's a mini series, so I don't think that they're gonna do. I think they're gonna wrap up like as the book wraps up. I'm assuming. Okay. I don't think that they're planning anything else. Okay, so I can now kind of understand with that knowledge that you've just provided to me, um, <laughs> like why they kind of need to rush things. They have to rush. Yeah. yeah, I understand that, but like, there's also a direction you could take. That's not like, hey, here's like, let's do some important stuff, and there's some stuff we can leave out. Like it was just very much like, here's a ton of stuff. Yeah. Make of it what you will. We'll fig- figure it out on your own because we got to keep going. Yeah, yeah. And you said that you thought it was confusing when you watched it, right? Like, if I didn't read the book, I would think it was very confusing because I would, it's a lot. It's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. And I think I was a bit distracted in terms of like, what time are we actually in? Like, I was confused if like, Stu and Harold's timelines are very similar. Like, when does his time take place to Harold's time? Yeah. Because they're both flashbacks, but it could also be like three weeks before the pandemic or two weeks before the pandemic. Like, is everybody yeah. dead in Maine? Or, or, or old Gunquit? Where? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was like, where is that? <laughs> like, that must be next to Derry or something. I've never heard of that place. Me um, either. And like everybody dies instantly, but also like, is that what happens with Stu? Because like, Stu never gets the information told to him from his doctor pal that like, yo, people are dropping like flies out there, dude. Like, yeah. The world is coming to an end. It's just very much like, hey, I need some more blood. All right, cool. <laughs> Goodbye. Want to play some cards? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, any last thoughts before we before we wrap up here? Um. I'd say I say still watch the show. I'm not saying like it's terrible. Don't watch it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very much a. It's not. It's not a pilot that's going to be like Game of Thrones or something like that. It's not going to end on some crazy cliffhanger. Yeah. With Bran getting pushed out of a window, and you find out that the, the there's incest going on in the Lannister family. <laughs> it's, it's not a pilot like that, right? It's it's very uh, very expositional. Gives you a lot of information that goes on. Um, yeah. And if the story interests you then stick with it and keep watching it because it's not awful. Like I said, just give it a try. I wish that I wish it would, would have been done in a different way, but yeah. uh, I would still recommend it. And hopefully the series provides more information. I'll be like, look, just like we can get to a point where like, look, episodes one through four, there's a lot going on. Just deal with it. I promise by episode five, it'll all pay off and you'll be <laughs> excited and into the story. Cause that's what I did with Watchmen. Like once Watchmen finally got developed after the initial world building, I was all in. So yeah, that'd be my final thoughts. How about you? Yeah, I agree. I thought the first episode was just okay. Like definitely not bad at all. I think it, you know, like you said, it had to set up a story that was very, very complicated. Um, And I also wish that they did different things with the pacing. The dialogue was a little weird. Um, and the overall t- overall tone, I thought, was just a little bit on, like, the happy side, which I was confused about. Um, but story is amazing. Some performances to come as well are really great. So I would recommend it. Um, it's definitely worth the watch and checking out. Yeah. And just wait. You got a Naked Brother band 
member coming in the show. Coming up. Coming up. Yeah, now Wolf. And if you loved him in Death Note, you'll love him in this as well, I guess. But I don't know why you would have movies. So oh, man, I hate that movie. Um, but, yeah, so I think, like, a solid, like, six. I think a six is a good grade. Yeah, yeah, I would say a six. And then it gets it gets better from there. So I'm hopeful that each episode will get a little bit better. And then, you know, overall it'll be a good show. Same, same. So, yeah, that's going to do it for our review of The Stand. Uh, it's available on CBS All Access. So you'll need a subscription to watch it on there. Um, give it a try. Why not? And then, you know, you can also watch, like, The Twilight Zone, which is also on CBS All Access. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's it. A strong six. Yeah, I would also give it a six. Um, if you guys listening uh, watch it and have any thoughts, good or bad, if you agree with us, disagree with us, uh, make sure to tweet at us. My handle is at Natalie Zamora with two A's at the end. Max's is at Odd Slice. Uh, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. And thank you guys so much for listening again. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.